Good morning. It's good to see you guys. I almost feel like we ought to worship some more. Man, that was really good. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate that. Uh, but I guess we uh, should release our kids now. So uh, hang on just, just a minute. Everybody but Raymond. You go ahead, Raymond. I, I gave up on Raymond hanging with us. I, uh, but for everybody else, hang on, just because if you look around, you'll see new faces here this morning. I want everyone to be able to hear uh, the announcement. And you know what? Actually, actually, we might be messing up right here, releasing the kids. Maybe we need to wait until after the scouts make their presentation. How about if we do that? Can we just change that? All right, you guys sit back down then. Except for Raymond. Raymond's gone. He's already down the street. I'm just kidding. Can you hear me? Usually Miss Mindy does this, so uh, I'm a little nervous, but I'll try to give it my best shot and make it go quick. I don't want to use up a lot of Pastor Jimmy's time. Um, I'd like to start by thanking each and every one of you, for all of you who have bought popcorn from these scouts or donated food for our Scout Sunday. Um, I really appreciate it. It goes a long way for them. But none of that would be possible without a place for us to meet. So I would like to thank Pastor Jimmy, Karen, and the whole staff of Rocky River Church for allowing us to meet here each and every Tuesday. Um, I say meet, it's more like an invasion. It's 40 to 50 youth and young men, siblings and families and leaders. Um, we usually start our meetings by saying the scout oath and law, and part of the oath is doing your duty to God and your country. Um, <laughs> we teach the duty of the country. Um, it starts at a young age, and it usually goes by learning about um, flag etiquette, how to present the flag, how to raise and lower the flag, and how to retire the flag. Some of you have donated flags to us for retirement, and we appreciate that. We usually like to do it at a camp out. Um, it seems fitting for flags, the last flight to be over a Cub Scout camp. Um, when we do the retirement, I usually say a poem, which you'll hear here in a little bit, and we talk about why we're retiring the flag. We're not honoring the ink or the fabric or the thread. We're honoring what the flag symbolizes, and it symbolizes freedom, the freedom to worship God as you see fit, the freedom to do whatever you want to be. As long as you're willing to work hard, the sky's the limit for you in this country. Nothing's promised or guaranteed, but if you're willing to work for it, you can become anything you want. Um, it symbolizes the lives of hundreds of thousands of men and women who have died to give us that freedom. And it symbolizes the greatest country on earth. When I say greatest, <clears throat> when I say greatest, I don't mean perfect. Um, we all know we have not had a perfect past. Today won't be perfect in America, and tomorrow won't be either. But... Um, that's where your duty to your country comes in. It's the little things you do each and every day that will make your country better. It starts at your home by being a better son or daughter, 
by being a better student at school, um, by saying hello to someone, opening a door for somebody, befriending a new student at school. All those little things are contagious, and they spread like fire. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson had a quote, the creation of a thousand forests is from one acorn. And I can't speak for the rest of the leaders, but the reason why I do it is to help these acorns take root and grow, and hopefully one day become that thousand forest. So we have a little video for you, and uh, that's all I got. Thank you again, everybody. Guys, I'm sorry about that, and uh, I, I know that you're exiting the stage, and I'll let you keep going, but we appreciate you guys so much. Um, thank you. You're fantastic. And, and uh, Jonah, don't we, have, um, uh, don't we have a brand new Eagle Scout in the group, fairly new Eagle Scout? Or just, did, just maybe just finished his Eagle Scout project? Who, who is that? Joshua Jordan. Yeah, Joshua Jordan. If, uh, <laughs> so uh, for his Eagle Scout project, he did something really cool for his, his troop, but it was something that really helped us out too. They, they needed more storage. Lord knows we don't have enough storage around here. So their project was to, uh, or his project was to build this storage shed that you see out here near the dumpster and uh, did a fantastic job with that. Uh, Joshua, I, I thought this week, uh, Wednesday or whatever day we had the, the bad storms, I thought we were going to have to leave the building and go get a gnat because <laughs> I saw how you guys built that thing and it is built like a fortress. You've done a great job with that and I know you have great leaders and a lot of support and uh, way to go. We're, we're proud of you. Give these guys another big hand. And, and so now the handoff seems a little bit clumsy, but if we still have kids uh, in the service that would like to go out uh, for River Kids that's out the door and to my right, and middle schoolers out the door and to my left, and uh, everybody else sits still, I don't want you to get up and move around because I'll lose you for five minutes. Instead, uh, just turn around to the person next to you or near you and say, uh, good morning, God loves you, and I'm trying to.
So once again, hello. Good morning. It's good to see you. Mary, what are y'all doing on that side of the room? Rick. It was, oh, it was full over here. That's a good problem to have, isn't it? But you guys have completely thrown me off now. Thank you. Now, now that there's room over here, I need you to come back over here so I can preach. I don't know if I can talk with you guys sitting on that end of the room. All right, okay. All right. Uh, but anyway, it's good to see you guys today. If you're a first-time guest with us or we just haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's Jimmy. I'm the lead pastor here at Rocky River. And right after this service, uh, I'll either be in the lobby or depending on how the weather is, I might be out on the patio, but I'd love it if you uh, would stop by and say hello. That would be great. And, and let me also say hello to those who are listening to this message on our podcast, which is at rockyriverchurch.com. It's great to have you guys listening with us as well. So I'm excited about the kickoff of a brand new message series today called A Whole New You. And today is sort of like uh, an intro message to the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. But during this series, we're going to look at some of the most powerful passages in the entire Bible. And I, I want to tell you this. I, I, I don't say things like this very often, but I just feel compelled to. Um, a part of my inspiration for this series is a book that was written by one of my best friends and life and in ministry, Nelson Searcy. And uh, you, you guys know that, uh, uh, well, you, you probably don't know Nelson. I wouldn't expect you to know him, but you've heard me talk about him before. Two and a half years ago, uh, Nelson was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. At the time, uh, his doctors uh, gave him weeks, maybe a few months to live. And uh, we're actually coming up in a, in a month, it'll be three years since he was diagnosed. And uh, the, the picture just gets better and better. And Nelson is, um, they're not using the word remission just yet, but they hope to be using that in the next month or two. So appreciate your prayers for Nelson and, and those sorts of things. But Nelson is a writer. Uh, as well as a pastor, a great pastor. Pastors a, a tremendous church in New York. They have a number of no, uh, locations around the city of New York and then one in South Florida, which if, uh, just in case you don't know, if you're from New York, you understand what I mean. But if you're, if you're from New York, eventually the goal is to get to Florida. And so they're trying to reach New Yorkers wherever they are. And uh, so they are in New York City and um, Boca Raton, Florida. But Nelson's written about 20 books. Uh, I, I've read all of them. Uh, I, I've enjoyed all of them. But I don't think I've read a book in the last year that has affected me more. I mean, the scriptures aside, okay? But it is just a fantastic book. It's, it's very practical. It's very helpful. And, and in the book, Nelson deals with these five major domains that all of us have in our lives. You, you know, um, the spiritual domain, the, uh, the financial domain, the emotional domain, uh, the physical domain. And there's one more that I can't remember just right offhand. But, but very powerful Stuff And the idea behind the book, and just so you know, and just so I don't get emails later about it, 
Uh, the inspiration for my sermons is always the scriptures. But very often what you read outside of the scriptures can inform what you read in the scriptures. So I just want you to know that I, I preach from the Bible, okay? Say amen like you understand that I do. I just want to make sure we're all together on that. But the idea behind the book and this series is that most of us at some point in our lives, at one time or another, we set goals. And by the way, even though goals are not talked about very often in church, the scriptures have a number of places that talk to us about having goals for our lives. So from time to time, most of us set goals in our lives. The problem is what? We don't always follow through with those, do we? We don't always follow through on the goals that we set for our lives. Um, and I would include New Year's resolutions in that as well. Um, how many of you set New Year's resolutions? You don't even want to talk about it now, do you? It's, 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 it's too late in the year, right? It's the sixth week in the, in the year. Man, you don't want to talk about those already. What do you think is the number one New Year's resolution year in and year out? Oh, wow. I like that. Go to church more. But that's not it. <laughs> it's to lose weight. And uh, I, I read uh, just a really short study this week that said that um, Americans this year, the, the drop out of your goal date was January 19th, <laughs> which is two days better than last year, so we're, we're getting some better. But most people who set goals to lose weight, you know, we gave that up weeks ago, e even though the gyms are packed right now, aren't they? And probably will too, until I would say maybe at least Valentine's Day and who knows after that. But why do we give up on these goals? You know, we've, we spent the first, what, three weeks or so of this year talking about goals, godly goals. And now you kind of understand why. But why do we give up? On these goals? Why, why do we give up on important things like getting our health in order? And, and I would say not only are, are, are some of the goals we set important, but a, a goal like getting your health in order, that's even biblical, which you'll see in a few weeks. That, that's a biblical issue. So if things like losing weight and, and getting our health in order, if those things are so important, why do we give up? Well, it's partly because we don't see the full picture of what's going on. Let, let's, just, let's just keep on this weight thing for a minute, okay? Which has to be the most uncomfortable topic for me to talk about in public. Because, you know, we eat in private what we wear in public, like a pulpit bumper, So if I pick on myself, I can pick on you a little bit as well. So let's just talk about the weight. You know, on, on the surface, we think that losing weight is a physical thing. That that's something that we deal with in the physical realm of our lives. But maybe the problem is deeper than that. 
maybe the problem is a spiritual issue, or, or maybe it's an emotional issue. It just might be that you're an emotional eater. And again, I'm so uncomfortable talking about this in public, but I am. That, that's one of the things I've learned about myself recently, not just with this book, but with some other things I'm trying to get to the bottom of in my own life. Just in case you're wondering if the pastor and his wife and his family are perfect, the answer is no. I've recently learned that I'm an emotional eater. I don't always eat just until my belly's full. I eat until my mind is full. And maybe you do the same thing. And what I've been learning is that until I deal with the emotional reasons I eat, I'm never gonna get to the bottom of this whole health thing in my life. Do you see where I'm going with this? So let's get away from weight for a little while. Can we do that? Let's talk about money. <laughs> I think that was a skinny moan right there. They, didn't have, they were fine when we were talking about weight, but now we're talking about money. That's a, that's a collective groan there. Maybe, maybe you have some financial issues, and so you, you've set some financial goals for your life, for your, the life of your family, if that's your situation and so you've decided that in 2020 or maybe you decided it in 2015 or 2010, maybe you've been making this same goal for decades now. But you decided that you're going to get your family's finances on a budget. You're going to get on a spending guide and you're going you're to stick to it. And then you don't. Well, it, it may be that the surface problem shows that there's a financial problem, but maybe there's something deeper here. It, it may be that you've bought into the marketing lies that we see over and over and over again, many times every single day, uh, the, the marketing lies of if you drive the right car, wear the right clothes, live in the right neighborhood, you'll be happy and satisfied. The right things will make you whole. Well, you've heard me say this many times. I'll say it once more today, at least once more today, but you'll hear it again in the future, and that is that whoever says that money won't buy you happiness, they don't know where to shop. Now, money won't buy you satisfaction, not lasting satisfaction. It won't buy you peace or contentment. And it certainly won't make you whole. So, so here's what happens. Some of us spend our way into the poorhouse trying to fill up a hole that we have on the inside of our lives that nothing seems to satisfy. Or, or it's a spiritual level in the sense that we don't give God the first fruits of our income. We don't tithe to him. And so like people in the Old Testament very often find themselves is they work and they work and they work and they receive, but it's like they have holes in their pockets. The money comes into your life and it just goes right out. And listen, until you realize that Jesus 
who is the Christ, is the only one who can fill that void, you're never going to get on top of your financial problems because the financial problem is not really the problem. You see where I'm going with this? So during this series, we're going to talk about a whole new you, but we're gonna go after the whole you, the whole me, not, not just the parts that are obvious. We're not just gonna deal with the surface symptoms of things. We're gonna talk about physical newness. Just let that sink in for a minute. Physical newness. Spiritual newness. See, some of you here this morning, you'd love to have that in your life. You just don't think it's possible. You, you feel like you're just so far away from God that you're never gonna be able to be close to him again. We're gonna talk about emotional and mental newness. Listen, I, I tell people from time to time, occasionally I'll say it in a service like this, you know, I take Adderall, I, I take two hits of Adderall every day. And without it, my mind goes in a hundred different directions. You just don't even know. Until I was diagnosed about eight years ago with ADHD, I just thought I was crazy. That's the way I would have described myself. Because when I would sit down to read a book, I couldn't just read one book. I'd have to read three or four books at the same time because I'd have to spend a few minutes on this one, a few on this one. I just, I couldn't keep my thoughts together. And I throw that out there because some of you have bipolar issues. Some of you deal with depression. I deal with a little bit of depression. I, I know what that's like. And I, I bring that up because for so many years, uh, if a person has a physical problem, then we think, okay, that's, that's, that's okay. Uh, if you're diabetic, just take the insulin that you need to take. Or if you have heart problems, take, you know, whatever it is for heart problems that you would take. If, if, you, uh, if you have high blood pressure, take high blood pressure medicine. But when you get into the mental and emotional realm, we just think, well, that's just something that's altogether different. And there's a stigma that's attached to that. So I bring this up from time to time to try to remove that stigma. And I'll tell you this, if you suffer with depression, you go see your doctor. And if your doctor thinks that a certain medicine is what you need for that depression, you take it. And whoever it is, if it's your mama or your best friend or your brother-in-law, you know, that one that knows everything, um, the preacher you grow up with who says, if you, just, if you just knew Jesus, if you just had a new faith, you wouldn't need all that. You just tell them to shut up. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Be nice about it. But you take that if that's what helps. Let me tell you something. The reason people have heart problems, the reason people um, are born with deformities, the, the, the reason that we have struggles, the, the reason why we have mental and emotional problems is because we live in a broken, fallen world. And that's never gonna change on this side of eternity. 
So if the doctor can give you something that helps, you do that. And I hope, I pray, I believe that in the end of this series, that you'll have some good, godly goals that really have some teeth this time. That the goals you set this time at the end of this series are things that you'll follow through with because now you're addressing the whole you. And I, I want you to be encouraged. And I hope that the fact that we're going to deal with some of these things over the next several weeks, I hope it encourages you. I hope it energizes you. And I say this because there are a lot of people, maybe in this room or people who are, some of the people listening to this message out on our podcast, there are a lot of us listening right now. We've set goals in the past that we did not reach, right? Am I the only one? No. And you, you failed so many times in the past that you almost feel foolish starting again. You, you, you almost feel ridiculous and, and childish for trying to do this again. But, but listen, as much as possible, I want you to set aside those past failures. I want you to set aside those feelings of guilt because it's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. And, and, and listen, listen, I know that that probably sounds like something you would expect to read in a self-help book or a Facebook meme, but that's the scripture. That is a biblical truth. That, that's not something that a self-help guru thought of. God has always been more concerned with our hereafter, more concerned with what we're doing beyond today than what we've done in the heretofore. Our God is a from this point going forward kind of God. I promise you that God is not sitting there in that seat with you just running you down and saying, hey, listen, I know you want to stand up and do some of this, but pfft, been there, done that. I've heard every promise you can make. That is not God. You, you and the devil are the only ones holding those past failures against you. That may not be true. There, there may be a spouse. There may be a parent. Someone that you love and care for, maybe even your kids, they've heard the promises before and they're not really buying it. And that's okay. But it's never gonna be God who says, no, 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 we can't do this. This series is not about being perfect. It's about going in a better direction. The Swiss theologian Karl Barth, he was a, a guy that lived the end of, um, let's see, the end of the 19th century, early part of the, the 20th century. He, he once said, no one can go back and make a brand new start 
but anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. That's powerful, isn't it? No one could go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start from now and make a new ending. And I want to say just one more thing before we really dive into things. Changing your ending, changing your life, Finding the new you is not something that's just for young people. And I'll, I'll let you decide what young is. I'll, I'll let you decide what old is. But maybe you think, uh, okay, well, I've already finished college. I already have a degree in this, that, or the other thing. It's, it's kind of too late to start over. <laughs> oh, oh, listen. So you just finished college and you're what, 22, 23, 24? Those of us who are in our 50s or beyond, what do you have to say about that? (laughs) You're just a baby. I know you don't like to hear that. But you could turn around and go back to college again for another four years and what's the big deal? You're still half our age. Or some of you are thinking, well, what do I do now because I've, I have kids? Or what do I do now that I'm on the backside of being middle-aged? I would say that it's never too late for God to change your life and to use you. And the good news is that no matter how young or how old you are, you can change your ending Even if you only have a couple of years, five years, ten years, a couple of decades. And you can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start going in a different, a better direction starting today. I hope you will. I think Job 42.12 captures what this series is all about. It, It simply says... So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. You ever read the book of Job? Start with the book of Job, and he loses everything. First two or three chapters, he he loses everything. He loses his stuff. He loses family. I mean, it, it doesn't take but maybe four or five chapters for Job who, who is this righteous man in the eyes of God, this, this good man who, who hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, he's not perfect, but he goes from being one of the most admired and sought after people in his whole community to having nothing, and he's sitting on a, a burn pile with boils all over his body, and he's scraping them with broken pieces of pottery, and the dogs, the wild dogs are, are coming around to lick the pus out of his wounds to give him some relief. That's a bad place to be in, wouldn't you agree? But the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. 
Listen, as a pastor who loves you, I, I want the first part of your life, whether it's the first half, the first quarter, whatever that first phase of your life was, I want that to be the prologue to your life, just the beginning And I want the next half of your life or whatever the next phase of your life is, I want it to to be the best part of your life so far. Like I've said for weeks now, I want this year, because you know we're in the year 2020. You knew that, right? 2020? Okay. But not only are we in a new year, we're in a new decade. I want this to be the best year, the best decade of your life. I want it to be the best year, the best decade of my life. I want it to be the best year and the best decade for our church. I want us to be blessed. I want you to listen really carefully to what I'm about to say because it's going to get thick in here for a few minutes, okay? Leaning forward, it's a little bit warm in here. At least I'm hotter. Y'all hot? All right. If you're, if you're cold, that's good. If you're too warm, you'll go to sleep. I don't want you to go to sleep. I don't want to lose you right here. The key factor in life change is the favor or the blessing of God. The key factor in life change, that means you discovering physical newness, financial newness, relationship newness. The the key factor is the favor or the blessing of God. Listen, listen. Being blessed by God, and this is the biblical definition. This This is not something that Pastor Jimmy sat in his office and just thought of. This is not something I read out of a book somewhere else. This is right out of scriptures. Being blessed by God means that all of your needs are met. Let that sink in. And let it sink in that God wants to bless you, that God wants to be your need meter. He wants to meet your needs. Being blessed means that there is an empowerment on you for success, which unfortunately is a bad word in the church today, and it shouldn't be. God's blessing empowers prosperity, also a bad word in the church when it shouldn't be. We're not talking about a prosperity gospel. We're not talking about buying a blessing. But being blessed by God means that you are empowered for success, prosperity, victory, and productivity. Listen, in every part of your life. Man, I wish someone would have told me that 30 years ago. So if you're 10, if you're 21, you should get hold of that. I don't think there should be anything other than your salvation that ought to be more important than you finding favor with God. 
being blessed by God means that he takes everything that you have, everything that we offered him, and he multiplies it. That's the story of the loaves and fishes. Jesus is teaching this huge crowd of people, uh, 5,000 people, that, that's, that's the number we have, 5,000 men. Actually, the number, because they wouldn't have counted women and children back then, they would have just sort of looked at it operationally and said, yeah, 5,000. But that didn't include women and children, so there could have been as many as 15, 20, or 25,000 people there. Jesus looks at them, it's toward the end of the day, sees that they're hungry, and says to his disciples, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, his disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, and I don't feel so bad when people say this to me uh, because they said it to Jesus. They said, uh, Jesus, is late in the day, which means you've been preaching all day long. And these people are tired and hungry. Send them away so they can get something to eat. Jesus said, you feed them. Feed them with what? Luke tells us in his gospel that the disciples made a search through the crowd and they found this little boy's lunch. What was it? Three, two pieces of fish, three pieces of fish, and five hush puppies, something like that. If, if you're up, Chris up north, it, it might be rolls, I, I don't know, but in the south, you know, it's hush puppies. I'm sure the fish was fried, deep fried. I'm getting all emotional, just thinking. <laughs> and these, th this little boy apparently is the only one who said, here's my lunch. The disciples handed that lunch over thinking, what in the world is this? I mean, it's nothing compared to all of these people. The Lord divided the people up in groups, one for each of the disciples. He blessed the food, and the disciples began to pass it out. And the more they handed out, the more of it there was. God blesses what we give him. He multiplies whatever we put in his hands. But listen to me, listen, listen. God's blessings, his favor, his power to make real and lasting changes in your life depend on two words, trust and obey. Trust and obedience. See, God's favor or God's blessing in your life, it has nothing to do with the size of your problems. Because I know that some of you are sitting there right now and you're thinking, man, this all sounds good, but I have these huge problems. Doesn't matter to God. There's a crowd of 15,000 people there with nothing to eat. And when God looks at the resources, the Lord looks at the resources the problem is nothing compared to the resources. He just needed someone to trust him and to be obedient. God's blessings in your life have nothing to do with how you got into your problems. See, some of you are already disqualifying yourself because you're saying, well, look, I, I'm in this situation. I'm in this final situation or financial situation because I did stupid things with my money. Listen, God is bigger than your stupidity. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad he is? I'm glad he's bigger than my stupidity. God's blessings in your life have nothing to do with the available resources. It's based on his power what he can do 
and your trust and obedience to do whatever he tells you to do. And that sounds easy sitting here, but not so much. Let me quickly give you three things that I want you to know about God's blessings. Write these into your notes. I think you have fill-ins on these. Here's the first one. We don't deserve God's blessings. We don't deserve God's blessings. Not you, not me, not Billy Graham. None of us deserve God's favor. Everything good that God does in our lives is because he is good and not because you're special, not because you're good. I don't care what your mama says. You're not that good. None of us are. We're all human beings. We are all sinners. We all have problems. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor or to earn God's blessings. The Bible says in James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from who? God, our Father. We don't deserve these blessings. Here's the second thing I want you to know about God's blessings. God enjoys blessing his children. Think about that. God enjoys blessing his children. We don't talk enough about this. We don't talk enough about the fact that like any good father... God, our heavenly father, enjoys blessing his children. Listen, I've had to say no to my kids when they were growing up plenty of times. Did you? Of course you did. But I enjoyed when I could say yes. Don't you? And I want you to wrap your life around the fact that God wants to bless you. He's not holding anything back from you. And you're not waiting on him. Some of you think you are. But you're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. Waiting on you and me to what? Trust him and obey him. All right, here's the third thing that I want you to know about God's blessings. God's blessings are conditional. (gasps) They're conditional. In the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises where God says, if you'll do this, I'll do this. For example, God's word tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. But that's conditional. You see what I mean? And that's throughout the scriptures. But I want us to look at at one passage of scripture, and we're going to wrap up for today. We'll pick up here next week. But it's Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 8. And and just just so you know the backstory here. The children of Israel are getting really close to crossing into the promised land. 
really close. And they've been wandering throughout the desert for a whole generation, listen to me, who would not trust God and would not obey him. See, it can happen. These are the same people who, you know, God fed them, what is it, manna for decades. Bread that, well, we call it bread, but again, manna just means what is it. They didn't even know what to call it. They just called it, what is it? But God fed them with food that fell from the sky. And still there were times when they would not trust him and they would not be obedient to them. But now that generation has died out and a new generation, a new generation is about to go into the promised land. And so God is, the people are, they are rehearing. And some of you today, you're rehearing what you heard a long time ago, this generation is rehearing the promises that God made to their ancestors a generation ago. And he says, and listen, he's talking to you and me. You and me. Not just to Hebrew believers 3,500 years ago. But those of us now who trust Christ, he's talking to us too. He says, if you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord, your God, will set you high above the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord, your God. You know, you know what that part means? That means that when you are obedient to God, you can't get away from his blessings. That he is just determined to bless you. And dynamically, those blessings are gonna just come into your life. He says, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. That, that means that there are no geographical restrictions on God's blessings for your life. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. That means you're gonna have kids and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. And by the way, back then, they didn't count their wealth by stocks and bonds. They counted their wealth by their flocks. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Everybody's gonna be having babies. Everyone's gonna be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. There's going to be plenty to eat. Again, God provides for us. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. No temporal, no worldly limitations in this world or the next world on God's blessings over people who are obedient to him. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you, anybody in here have any enemies? Sure you do. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction. You ever see maybe in a movie about the Romans, how they would march in lockstep? 
You know, their, their version of marching together with their, um, uh, their shields out, that, that was an ancient kind of tank. And that's the enemy that's described here. And they come in, they're all together. They're like a tank. They're gonna mow you down. And they're so confident. But the Lord says, they will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven. They'll just be scattered in defeat. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. That means that God's blessings are comprehensive. Whether you're a city mouse or country mouse. And listen, he wants to bless you more than you can imagine. I'm trying to get my life around this. I want you to do the same. And think, think about this as, as we get ready to close. I've said that like four times so far. Kid on the back, he just went, oh. It's like reading Paul. This guy's going to quit the fifth time. God wants to bless you publicly. That's what he says here. He, he wants to do it where everyone else can see it. Not so that you're honored. Not so that you're glorified. Not so that you're lifted up. But through God blessing you, the people around you get to see how good and how loving and how strong and how mighty and how dependable God is. God's blessings in your life are a witness to other people. We'll pick up here next week. The band's coming up. And I'd like to ask you to please stand up. And once you're standing, bow your head and close your eyes. Don't let go of this. Don't let go of this. Look, look I tell you, open your eyes. <laughs> I told you to close your eyes. I want you to look. I'm not just talking to the person next to you, Mike. I'm talking to you. I'm not just talking to the people around you, Tommy. I'm talking to you. This is for God's favor and God's blessings. We don't talk about it enough. And God wants to bless us, enjoys blessing us, but we have to trust him and be obedient. We have to believe, that's what trust means. We have to believe that he will, that he can. And then when he says, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. Like Noah last week, building an ark. And he says, do it, you do it. And then see what happens. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement of it. And Lord, thank you for these promises of blessings. And Lord, like our scouts reminded us this morning, we, we are blessed. We're blessed to live in this country. 
Most of us had something to eat this morning, a roof over our head. And, and we know that there's common grace and common blessing that you, you make it rain and you make the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. But God, beyond that, there are 7,000 plus promises that you give us in your word. And we wanna start believing those. And we need it. Lord, I think today you've sparked something in us that will become in us a whole new person. So that we'll be more like the, the people you want us to be, you created us to be. If there's a person here who's never trusted your son Jesus as Lord and Savior, never been obedient to the call to come to Christ, I pray that this would be that moment for them. If that's you this morning, just say, Jesus, in the best way I know how, I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. In the best way I know how, I want to live now in obedience toward you. Jesus, thank you for loving me and saving me. It's in your great name that we pray. Amen. This is where worship starts Here in the temple of my heart Remembering who you are And all you've done this is your majesty all i have tasted and i've seen remembering who you are and once again i see the lord forever glorified exalted and lifted high and all of I'm right where I'm meant to be And once again I see the Lord Forever glorified Exalted and lifted high And all of the kingdom It cries you are You are the Lord Seated upon the throne The Father, the Spirit, the Son, you are, you are the Lord. 
worshiping with us here today at Rocky River Church. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday. You're dismissed.
on my face Hasn't stopped raining for days My world is a flood But slowly I become one with the mud But if I can't swim after 40 days
Good morning, Rocky River Church. How's everybody doing this morning? That's awesome. That is awesome. We're going to go ahead and ask you to stand at this time, and we'll start our time together with the Lord with some music. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things, because it's you who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible through you. Blind eyes are open, strongholds are broken, I am living by faith, nothing is impossible. River Church. How y'all doing today? You look good. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> All right, y'all can go ahead and have a seat uh, for a moment of announcements. Uh, Ed, can we have some lights back there? Thank you, sir. If you're a first-time guest with us or we just haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Diego and I'm the operations and technical director here. Welcome. We were so excited that you're here worshiping with us this morning. As you walked in, you should have received a worship bulletin, and I just want to draw your attention to a few things inside that bulletin. 
First thing is a connection card. Uh, we would love it if everyone would just fill one of those out this morning during the service, and we'll have ushers with receiving baskets on every exit, uh, so drop that off on your way out this morning. If you are a first-time guest with us, just take that card to the information table and be sure to pick up a copy of our book, Unshakable, Standing Strong, When Things Go Wrong. That's completely free to you. Then you'll find message notes, and that's a great way for you to follow along with this morning's message. Then there's an announcement sheet, and that has all the events going on this week and in the future here at Rocky River, so don't miss out on that. Then you'll find an offering envelope, and that's how we give our tithes and offerings here at Rocky River. So just also fill that out during the service and drop it off on your way out this morning. Then, or you could go to rockyriverchurch.com, click on give, and then uh, give that way. Or text the word tithe to the number behind me and the amount that you want to give, and then giving will be done. So let's go ahead and stand back up and continue with our worship this morning. And our scripture reading is from Psalm 122. And it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the Lord, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel. To give thanks to the name of the Lord, for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for, for the peace of Jerusalem. May the prosper who love you. Peace be with your walls, prosperity within your places, for the sake of my brethren and companions. Let's sing together. Seas that are shaken and stirred. 